everyone, and welcome to Digital Health Unfiltered. I'm joined today by Raj, Daryl, and Sedipto. We're going to be talking about synchronous and asynchronous telemedicine. Very fancy way of saying uh, that synchronous telemedicine is maybe what you traditionally would have expected of, of any kind of video call. It's uh, you in front of your phone or computer and uh, a provider like a doctor on the other end uh, focused on you and, and a real-time dialogue. Uh, as opposed to asynchronous, where you know it can be chat-based or filling out a, an adaptive questionnaire, and uh, there might be a little lag, or you might send some photos or some some data gets analyzed, and you get some responses back at some later time. Um, first, we want to kind of define uh, these two modes of, of telemedicine, and then we want to actually explore what do patients seem to want. So first, I'll, I'll kick it over to Raj for some further definition. Yeah, Nick. Telehealth provides an easy and convenient setup for office visit in non-emergency cases. Our async telehealth model takes one step further. It opens up a new avenue for continuation of care with remote patient monitoring-like programs. Async telehealth gives us a unique advantage over asynchronous telehealth, like, for example, wait time. Patient or provider don't have to wait to wait for each other. Also eliminates the whole overhead of scheduling and cancellation of visits. It's easy for a third-person provider consultation. For example, doctor can securely share the data with their own group for offline consultation. Also eliminates the time constraint for both parties. Um, in, in general, in, the, in most situations, uh, it's very efficient to start with this async telehealth model and then move to the synchronous telehealth visit. So the provider will have a more context in that case. With the recent trend of using artificial intelligence everywhere, in more companies developed uh, intelligent concierge services for a telehealth. It makes it very efficient system to handle a huge number of visits. Yeah, and, and I think um, synchronous telehealth is great, but only when and where it's required. As Raj just mentioned, you know, asynchronous telehealth can be used as a method to triage patients along the consumer journey to the appropriate level of care. And I think that's huge. We want the patient to be empowered and to feel comfortable to start the conversation with a provider as quickly as possible with the least amount of friction. And this doesn't mean that all things can be handled with asynchronous telehealth, but it does allow the healthcare or a healthcare provider professional to determine who the call um, should be routed to for additional follow-up, which could greatly reduce the time it takes for patients to get to the appropriate provider, somebody who can actually um, handle their specific need. In addition to the asynchronous communications being more flexible, I also think that many patients are used to using asynchronous communications in other parts of their lives, you know, liquid expectations, right? So they use Twitter, they use Facebook, they use Instagram in their personal lives. So making eventually making the switch to using an asynchronous form of communication with their healthcare provider may not be so far-fetched and may be an easier, a relatively easy transition in the future. Yeah, it's like they say, uh, people are much more likely to text you than to set up a, a FaceTime call. You know, it's, it's just a little more conversational and uh, the, the, the barrier is lower. Sadipta, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, especially as we're, you know, sitting in the, in the middle of a pandemic and we're all turning into, as people say, zombies, you know, and nobody wants to be on video anymore. Uh, you know, I, I, I like a few things that Raj and Daryl said, and I want to amplify that, particularly as we look to the future, 
Because with asynchronous communication, I feel that we have so much of a better opportunity for the machine learning and data analysis um, that other modalities don't offer. I mean, here you have a, an increasing trove of data that is being transacted you know, through a digital mean, a texting mean, and so on that can be mined for insights to better train algorithms, to better route uh, future patients and so on. So I think um, that's, there, there's definitely a huge potential for growth um, you know, in, in this area. How have I not heard the term zombies before? That's perfect. And we just had Halloween and, and I feel like I missed an opportunity there. But <laughs> anyway, that's uh, all good points. And yet, having followed the industry for a number of years, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, folks like uh, Nate Lachtman, who's been an uh, industry watcher and uh, a telemedicine uh, evangelist for some time. Also, Jay Parkinson. Um, founder of Sherpa is now over at Crossover Health. They've both been touting the advantages of asynchronous telemedicine. And, and really, uh, when you listen to them, you think, of course, it scales better, it's more convenient, it's easier on the patients, and, and uh, it, it's just uh, it's going to take off. They've been predicting this for, for a while. And especially in 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, what those years where people said, oh, this is going to be the year of telemedicine, and yet it never was. Um, it was tempting to think that maybe the problem was synchronous care was just the wrong model and, and asynchronous was going to take over. And yet 2020 with COVID, it finally was the year of telemedicine. And a lot of institutions, when they offered side by side uh, for patients, you can choose you know, uh, synchronous or asynchronous care. Patients tended to choose the, the synchronous model. And uh, they wanted that uh, conversation with the doctor. And CMS had that quote that they had something like 9 million video visits this spring, uh, something like oh, almost 30% of Medicare beneficiaries had done a telemedicine visit this, uh, this spring. And uh, just incredible usage. And I don't think we saw that kind of usage in the asynchronous platforms. Yeah, you know, my view on that is that there's got to be an aspect for timing and the severity of the issue that people are dealing with. You know, a lot of the public awareness of telemedicine in general kind of peaked in 2020 with the COVID pandemic. And people, you know, when you are afraid that there's COVID out there, a sneeze makes you feel sort of scared. And, and at that time, it's probably you know, more comforting for you to gravitate towards the closest form of um, in-person encounter, which is synchronous visits, over anything else. I feel that if, you know, if this were a case where, you know, the pandemic wasn't looming and you had less acute issues like a rash or something that you would have ignored in the past, like a common cold or something, people would still gravitate towards uh, asynchronous visits. Now, you know, I'm sort of going to flip-flop because some of the studies coming out recently don't fully support me because um, there was a study done by Akbar in uh, Curious um, this year. So I think the study was titled A Cross-Sectional Survey on Telemedicine Use for Doctor-Patient Communication. And they found that amongst young people, synchronous telemedicine was favored. Yeah, same thing with people with higher education levels. So that kind of flips the whole model upside down. 
And they found that asynchronous communication was preferred with more frequent users of the healthcare system because they kind of knew the, the routine of communicating, asking the right questions, and so on. You know, so there's a study out there, but I still feel that you know this is a little bit of an anomaly because you know there are so many trends pointing towards asynchronous being a preferred form for so much stuff that we do in our lives. So, you know, even the example that Daryl cited of uh, Twitter and Facebook and people just being used to communicating in that modality. Mm. Yeah, and we also found that study um, from dermatology. Uh, this- Comparing uh, asynchronous versus synchronous for teledermatology, it, it was by Kazi. It also came out this year, and they found that, like for simple acne management, uh, patients tended to prefer asynchronous. But uh, for more complicated cases, older patients, uh, uh, more intractable disease, then uh, people gravitated towards uh, synchronous care. So yeah, maybe there's it's gonna it's gonna shake out that way, and uh, maybe uh, it's gonna vary by specialty and vary by you know patient preference and severity. But uh, I want to ask, it's uh, kind of prediction time, and as we think uh, to the years ahead, uh, you know we've we've already talked specifically about whether how how synchronous care that we've been observing, uh, you know, at, at one point this spring, it was all the care that we were providing was kind of this virtual urgent care, virtual uh, uh, model of care delivery. Um, but uh, we've seen that kind of taper off as in-person care comes back. What do you think, uh, how do you think it'll shake out between synchronous versus asynchronous in the years ahead? Yeah, you know, I, I think synchronous communications will take off first um, because it's closer to the traditional model of care. And you know what patients are used to. It's it's closer to an in-person visit. And however, over time, I think the increased flexibility, the reduced friction, the ability to get multiple providers engaged on a single communication stream, and the operational efficiency benefits on the health healthcare system, I, I think that will push async asynchronous telehealth to win out long term. Yep, um, I'm also with with Daryl on that one. I I'm I'm even more bullish. Um, in, in that asynchronous will, will definitely sort of happen. And, I, and I'm not, you know, pulling this out of sort of thin air, but if you look at the trends that are happening around the industry, and it's been decades at this point where when you call your cable provider or CVS pharmacy, you know, the first few options that you get are the automated systems. And they make it, they made it even more difficult for you to actually speak to a human saying, well, now you've got to wait 30 minutes if you need to speak to a person. But I can try to answer a lot of questions uh, you know, in a asynchronous manner or like more like a, a, like a chat bot or a voice assistant. So I think the trends are, are clear and with, you know, and that probably also allows people to, to better direct uh, the, the really serious cases towards the more expensive resources like the doctors where scheduling and other things become a challenge and get answers to a lot of the other less um, acuity kind of uh, cases. So, so I think the 80-20 rule is going to apply here where you know, m- most of the care will be handled via an asynchronous mean, but you know, the critical high acuity ones will be handled via sort of synchronous means. So that's my prediction there, Nick. Yeah, no, and you know, I think you're making a lot of sense, everyone, that uh, 
Um, and that, that cable analogy is really uh, resonates, although it, it makes me feel sad that uh, healthcare will try to emulate that uh, <laughs> that kind of model of delivery. But um, yeah, you, you're right. Like we know that the, the the provider is the scarce resource, and we know that it is hard for providers to scale up to, during a pandemic or in general and just be available for anyone who wants care on demand. So while they're waiting, if they feel like they need to wait, they might fill out some questionnaires and they might uh, type out some some information about their their situation. And they might decide at that point that, you know what, this isn't quite so urgent and what I just typed out might be adequate. And if the doctor gets back to me in the next few hours by text, that would be fine too. And they go about their day. Or, or if they're feeling worse, they, you know, they get back in the queue and they, they ask to speak to someone over video, or they take it upon themselves to go to an urgent care or an ED uh, in person if they, if they want to be evaluated out. Mm-hmm. Those options will always exist. But um, yeah, maybe the asynchronous care will be the default option. And maybe that's what uh, payers are going to kind of uh, incentivize uh, and, and ask patients to go that route. So asynchronous, I think, will kind of become ubiquitous or a lot more popular than it is now. Um, and, uh, and this kind of uh, synchronous care is going to it's going to be uh, more prevalent than in-person care, but but uh, maybe not the first line. That just feels feels right what you guys are talking about. And the data, you know, sort of backs that up. Um, Anyway, it's been a pleasure talking to you all. Uh, I've been joined today by Raj, Daryl, and Sidipto. This is Nick Jeans, signing off until next time. Bye.